Good morning, saints of uh, Bramper Bible Chapel uh, and those, uh, those others that might be joining us as well. Um, good morning, church. Uh, I trust that everyone is uh, well and that the peace uh, that surpasses all understanding is guarding your hearts and your minds um, during these unusual times that we're living in. If you will uh, open your Bibles, please, to 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. We are uh, in the middle of our series here of the kings of Judah. And um, we are going to be looking at today the sixth king of Judah. Those of you that have been joining us, it's interesting that um, we have the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel uh, gets split into two kingdoms. We have a ten tribes that go to the north, um, and they decide to keep the name Israel, and two tribes of the south, and they have the they keep the name Judah, and then as you are um, studying and looking at these kings, many of the kings of Israel and kings of Judah, they have same names. So that makes it a little even more trickier. And then when you have a guy like we're going to look at today, King uh, Ahaziah, he actually has two other names, um, uh, Jehoahaz and Azariah. So um, it's a little tricky when you're looking at these kings and uh, studying them. Uh, we've got many people who have the same exact spellings and names, but they're two different people. And then you have one person who's the same person, but they may have three different names. Um, so it certainly makes, uh, makes it interesting as you're reading um, and studying uh, these uh, people during this time. But what we're going to do is we're going to read 2 Kings chapter 8, and then um, pretty much the most of our time that we'll be in 2 Chronicles chapter 22. Okay? But in 2 Kings chapter 8, uh, beginning in verse 25, it says here, uh, in the twelfth uh, year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. And Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His, mother name, his mother's name was Athaliah, uh, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. <clears throat> now he went with Joram, uh, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Joram. And then King Joram went back to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah, or Ramoth-Gilead uh, again when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. <clears throat> and Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. And the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Again, this morning, let's just open in a word of prayer. Uh, our Father, uh, we thank you that even though uh, the world uh, can change, and it seems like in a minute, uh, we're thankful that your word never changes. And, uh, 
that. So we would just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, uh, that he would illuminate our hearts and our minds to uh, what it is that you want us to uh, learn today. And so we just uh, again pray that uh, technology would work, uh, that uh, there would be nothing here uh, of myself or uh, the device that we're using that would distract us from the message that you want us to hear um, this morning. And so we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Ahaziah. Okay. Uh, if you look at Second Chronicles, chapter 22, uh, we'll be there for the rest of the time here. Uh, you will also see uh, in the passion that we uh, just read there that he has a mother. Um, and in Second Chronicles, chapter 22, uh, verse 3, the second half of that verse there, we read something about the king that we're looking at today, and that was uh, that his mother advised him to do wickedly. Um, one of the things that I've noticed as we're looking at uh, these kings, um, uh, oftentimes it mentions uh, who their mother was, and then right after that it'll tell you whether or not they um, walked in the ways of their father David, or if they walked in the ways of others, or if they did good in the sight of the Lord, or if they did um, evil in the sight of the Lord. And uh, here, it makes very clear, with Ahaziah, um, he did not walk in the ways of the Lord. Um, but it says, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. First uh, point I just want to look at uh, today is the influence of a mother. Okay? The influence of a mother. Uh, we see in other cases in the Bible where uh, mothers, um, and the influence of a mother could be a positive influence or a negative influence. Uh, in this case here with Ahaziah, uh, his mother had a negative influence on him. But we also see even with Rebekah and, and, and Jacob, right? You remember Jacob and Esau? And um, when Esau went to um, prepare, uh, grab a, a game to repair a stew, it was Rebekah, right, that schemed and, and was one that advised uh, Jacob to deceive his father and to steal uh, the blessing from him. So we can see how mothers can certainly uh, influence um, uh, their children in a negative way. But at the same time, too, uh, mothers can influence their children in a positive way. Um, and uh, we read there in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5, right? Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, when he called into remembrance uh, the genuine faith of Timothy, right? Uh, he gives credit to not only his mother Eunice, but his grandmother Lois as well. Uh, that it was their influence uh, on him um, that helped him have the genuine faith that he had. And, and listen, I've shared this before, is that uh, you don't even have to be a biological mother to have an influence on those. Many people are like mothers um, to people. Remember Paul in Romans chapter 16 uh, verse 13, right, in his, um, in his farewell, he says, listen, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. And so there, Rufus's mother had been a positive influence in Paul's life as well, um, so much so that he wanted to mention her in his greeting in the letter. A lot of times we talk about the virtuous woman, right? We talk about the proverbial woman in Proverbs chapter 31. I don't know if people realize this, but uh, the writer of Proverbs 31 is King Lemuel, Lemuel, right? 
And it, right there in Proverbs 31, it says those things that we read and they're wonderful teachings um, of the virtuous woman, those things it says that they were taught to him by his mother, by his mother. And so certainly uh, mothers, uh, you know, have a tremendous influence on those in their lives. Um, when you think of even just uh, someone like Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, no one is poor who had a godly mother. He goes on to say this. He says, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my mother. I was recently talking to a, um, a brother, and they, one of their ideas is they want to do a series um, as a, as a, a church, um, but they want the kids a part of the um, the ministry well, the teaching ministry. In other words, so they, they don't want to have Sunday school during that time. They want everybody in the meeting listening to uh, the speaker speak as they do the series. And one of the uh, things that was shared uh, from the mothers in their uh, assembly was that, oh, they were kind of uh, not too happy about it just because they feel like Sunday school teaching is the only ministry that they have. And I really appreciate this brother uh, as he said, listen, we need to remind women um, that yeah, Sunday school teaching, teaching children there at church, not only is it not, uh, it's not the only ministry for them, but they actually have another ministry and it's far greater than just Sunday school teaching or things like that. Um, and that is being a mother. Um, there is no greater ministry um, than to be a mother. And mothers, there, there is no greater influence that you can have on um, those that God has put into your to your care. And so a, a mother is just a tremendous ministry. In fact, um, uh, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, uh, he had four sons, and they were all preachers. Right? Someone once actually came into the drawing room where all the family was there, and uh, they thought they would kind of see uh, what Howard, he was one of the sons, what he was made of. Uh, so they asked him, they said, Howard, who is the greatest preacher in your family? And Howard had great admiration for his father, and he looked straight across at him, but then without a moment's hesitation, he answered, Mother. So our first point today is this. Listen, never underestimate the influence of a mother. Uh, unfortunately, Athalia, um, Ahaziah's mother, she advised him to do wickedly. Now, if you look at um, verse 2 again, even into verse 3, you'll see that um, it, it mentions a lot of um, Ahaziah's um, in-laws. Right? It, it talks about uh, his mother's name was Athaliah. She was the granddaughter of Omri. Um, he also, it says, in verse 3, he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. We read that in Kings as well. Um, he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like the house of Ahab. It says, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. I, I don't think it's any mistake that um, Ahab is mentioned here when we look at Ahaziah. Omri is mentioned when we look at his Ahaziah. Um, and so this is going to be our second point here today is uh, the illusion of sin. The illusion of sin. Um, just a little history quickly of this family that he's um, married into. Um, remember Omri, uh, it says that 
Uh, he did evil in this life more than all those were before him. And he had Ahab. And then Ahab married Jezebel. And we know how wonderful she was, uh, Jezebel. And then the two of them, Ahab and Jezebel, they had Athaliah, who was Ahaz- Ahaziah's mother. And, and it says this in 1 Kings chapter 16. It says, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him, just like it said about his father. And it came to pass as though, and listen to this please, it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took as a wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and he served Baal, and he worshipped him. In fact, in the uh, ESV, it reads this way. It says, Ahab, right? Um, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. You see, that's a devastating indictment, right? And it's not far from many of us. Ahaziah's family, Ahab, Omri, his mother, right? They considered it a trivial or just a light thing to walk in the sins of their fathers. You imagine that, a trivial thing. You see why this text weighs so heavily on us, right? My question to you this morning is, how do you consider sin? You see, this is one of the um, um, the part of man's fallen condition. Um, when, when, when mankind, they consider sin a trivial matter. See, what mankind needs to understand, what we need to understand is actually sin is lethal, right? To, to consider sin as a light thing is absolutely lethal. You see, right? God did not consider sin as a light thing, as a trivial matter. Um, and the reason we know that is because, right, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, right, to this world, right? Jesus Christ came here and he lived here on this earth as a man for one purpose, one purpose only is that was to go to a cross, right? To be crucified there, right? For God to pour his wrath out on his son, to forsake his son, because that's how God viewed sin. Sin was not a trivial matter. Sin was not, sin, sin was not some little light thing to God. It was a big thing, right? Sin is what separates man from God. And so because of that, God had to pour his wrath out on his son. And Jesus Christ had to die. Um, He had to take upon himself um, the punishment uh, for our sins, the penalty uh, for our sins. Because sin, listen, is not a trivial matter. Uh, Sin is not something for us to consider as, as a light thing. It's the very reason why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die because sin is never a light thing. It is a big deal to God, and it separates man from God. If you're out there listening this morning and you have never dealt with your sins, right? you have never asked God to forgive you of your sin, you've never trusted um, what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross, um, if you still consider your sin as, as, as a, a little thing, a light thing, as it's just normal, well, I encourage you this morning, listen, come to Jesus Christ, right? Trust Him. Ask God to forgive you of your sins so that you can enjoy a relationship with Him, be able to enjoy 
um, eternity uh, in heaven uh, with God. You know, uh, this illusion of sin, when you look at it in the, in the life of Ahaziah, um, it says here that Ahaziah walked in the ways of the house of Ahab instead of the ways of his father David. Ahab, one of the things that Ahab did was he brought Baal into the picture. Baal was um, a god who had the body of a man with the horns of a ram. And, and what they would typically do is they would actually um, offer children as sacrifices. They would set up these, these altars to Baal and they would offer children um, as sacrifices uh, to this god, uh, Baal. You know, see, this is, this is the religious faithfulness of, of he or she who takes sin lightly. Right? You see what happens when you, when you think sin is a little thing, when, when you think it's just a trivial matter, other gods become more, far more appealing, don't they? Like the god of Baal. You see, Ahab looked at sin as just a trivial thing, and because of that, he brought Baal in. What about for you and I, right? Uh, sometimes what we do is when we consider sin as a light thing or we consider it as a trivial matter, we also sometimes, other gods become far more appealing to us, doesn't it? Maybe that's the god of pride for you. Um, maybe it's the, the god of selfishness. Or perhaps it's the god of anger. Right? Uh, but each and every one of us, when, when we uh, take sin as, as something light, right, uh, as, as just some sort of trivial matter, right? Really, other gods become far more appealing, like the God of the flesh, right? And that's the illusion of sin. Not only that, but um, when Ahaziah and his mother, when they come on the scene, they are so far from the living God, so far from his righteousness, but it's all cloaked in religion. You see, that's the deception of sin. Right? That's the illusion of sin. They, they think that they're actually being religious. They're still offering sacrifices. They're still trying to serve the God of Baal. Right? But they are so far from the living God. They're so far um, from His righteousness. And see what they don't understand. This is the illusion. This is the deception of sin. Is that as they are doing things which they think are righteous. Right? The, um, this religious faithfulness that that um, uh, that they have, right? Really what it is is this. It is an open defiance to the will of God. Sin is like that, you know? Right? Sin will convince you it's really not all that bad. That it's just normal. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters, by the illusion of sin. Um, and we see that with Ahaziah as he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. And Ahab thought um, sin was just a trivial matter. It was, it was not a big deal to walk uh, in the ways uh, or in the sins of, of Jeroboam and those before him. So we looked at the influence uh, of a mother, and we looked at the illusion of sin. I want you to look at, the uh, next point I want to look at is the integrity of God. Right? Now, uh, we're living in, in some very unusual times right now, right? Um, it's amazing how quickly the world can change in just a matter of days. Um, but also, if you consider this time that, that the nation of Israel and, and the, the uh, nation of Judah there, the times they're living, it's a, it's a very unusual time as well. 
Um, you've got these split kingdoms and you've got, um, you know, uh, men and, and, and leaders um, not walking in the ways of the Father David and walking in the ways of of um, others. And, and um, it just says here that I want to um, read this to you. In First Chronicles chapter 17, it says this. This is God making a covenant with David, right? It says, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. Brothers and sisters, God made a promise to David, right? Um, that uh, he would establish his throne forever. Right? That, that he would establish his offspring, uh, right? His sons in his house and in his kingdom forever. And that his throne shall be established forever. Well, if we go back to what James spoke on last week, right? Remember Jehoram, right? Jehoram was the father of Ahaziah, right? God stirred up against Jehoram, right? The spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians, right? And God brought judgment to Jehoram. And it says they came into Judah. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 21, right? It says they came into Judah and they invaded it. And they carried away Jehoram's sons and his wives, so that there was not a son left except Jehoaz, or Ahaziah, the youngest of Jehoram's sons. Even at a time when the, the Philistines and the Arabians, it seemed like they had cut off all the sons of Jehoram, there was still one left. Right? There was still the youngest of the sons, Ahaziah, who we're talking about today. Right? But in this story that we're looking at here, in this chapter, in First Chronicles chapter 22, um, we also read that Ahaziah, one year, he only reigned. Um, he went to go see his brother-in-law, and, and through that, you can see in this story here that he ends up um, being killed. Uh, only one year of reigning, and, and God takes his life, right? But his mom... In fact, she's the only one, only woman to uh, reign in the nation of Judah. All the other kings uh, we looked at and the kings of the nation of Israel, she was the only one that there was no one to take um, uh, King Ahaziah's place. Maybe perhaps his sons were too young. I don't know, but it says that there was no one to take uh, that place. And so uh, Athaliah, uh, his mom, Athaliah, Right? She went ahead and she decided to kill everyone. Um, all those who would reign in the nation of Judah. Right? But in verse 11 of 1 Chronicles chapter 22, it says this, But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, that's King Jeroboam, right, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from the king's sons who were being murdered, and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. 
Man, it's amazing, right? Even during these unusual times, right? When it would seem like David's line would be cut off, right? Athaliah, her mission was to cut off those from David's line, right? Here we have um, Jehoshabi. That's interesting, right? That Jehoshabi, right? Her name means the Lord is an oath. That God made an oath. He made a covenant with David. And he was going to be faithful to that. The integrity of God is amazing to me, right? That God would orchestrate in these ways that even the youngest of uh, uh, Jehoram's sons would survive. That yes, even the the the, uh, the son of Ahaziah would survive, right? So that God would keep that promise to David, right? That God would even during an unusual time for the nation of Judah, God preserved David's line. He kept his promise. God remained faithful. So I just thought for us today too, right, what promises of God can you hold on to during these unusual times? Maybe perhaps you're worried right now about meeting your needs, meeting the needs of your family. Many of you are out of work, right? And we can, we can claim God's promises, right? We know the integrity of our God, right? He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. Maybe you're just worried and anxious right now um, of just your well-being, of your family's well-being. You're concerned about them uh, getting sick, right? Again, we can claim the promises of God, right? We know that God is faithful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus as we bring them to him in prayer. Maybe you feel alone right now. I know the isolation for many people emotionally is hard, right? We, we feel isolated, right? We feel alone. Again, God is faithful, right? God says this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, in Psalm 27, verse 10, it says this, even if your father and mother forsake you, the Lord will hold you close. You see, even uh, in uh, living in these unusual times, right, God is still faithful. The integrity of God allows us to have peace, right? Um, it allows us to um, not worry, right, not to be anxious for anything. Because um, the Lord, even if those closest to us forsake us, he will still hold us close. So I'm just so thankful uh, for the integrity of our God. One of the last things that I just want to um, bring out from this portion of this morning is this. We talked about Jehoshabeth, right? Um, this daughter of uh, Jehoram and uh, how she stole away uh, Joash, right? The son of Ahaziah. Uh, she stole him away uh, among the king's sons who were being murdered, right? And it says that they, she put him uh, and his nurse in a bedroom. And this, this bedroom, from what I understand, is uh, a place where they would, like, it was a storage room. It was a place where they would store beds and mattresses and things like that. Um, and so she, she uh, put him in there with the nurse uh, and, and you know, put him away and protected him. Um, and so Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, um, the priest, uh, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. Uh, when you continue to read in, in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1, 
It says this. It says, now in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took captains of hundreds. And in verse 8, it says, the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And so um, we see here Jehoshabit, she um, takes the son of Ahaziah, hides him in this bedroom with the nurse, and then um, six years later, uh, we see Jehoiada, he's a priest, and, and he comes up with this plan. You can look at it in Second Corinthians, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 23. Um, he comes up with a plan where he gives all the Levites swords, and uh, they were to protect this little seven-year-old, um, um, uh, Joash. And um, he has this whole plan where they're going to make him the king of Judah and uh, pretty much overthrow Athaliah. And so they do that. In Second Chronicles chapter 23, they make this one, who is the rightful heir, uh, as the, the king of Judah, and Athaliah is um, put to death. Right? But one of the things that, that stood out to me here is, uh, lastly, so we, we looked at the influence of a mother, and we looked at uh, the um, illusion of sin, and we looked at the integrity of God. Uh, but I want us to look also now at the impact of God's people. You see, this little known woman, right? Um, Jehoshabi, right? She had an important place in God's plan of the ages, right? It was through her courage, her through her creativity that she preserved the royal line of David, through which the Messiah would come. Right? What do we know about Jehoiada? Not much, right? I mean, these two people are really little known. We don't hear a lot about. Uh, Jehoshaphat, right? Right. I mean, there's some people who are household names, right? When you consider maybe like Charles Spurgeon, right? And the work that he did for the Lord, right? Does anybody know the person who led Charles Spurgeon to the Lord? I don't, right? And yet that person, right, was so critical that God used someone like Charles Spurgeon to impact so many. Right, but it was that one little known woman or that one little known man that that maybe uh, planted a seed in Charles's life or was able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with him. Listen, church, God has an important place for you in His plan too. Now, you won't be asked to preserve the royal line of David, but um, what may God be asking you to do for Him during these unusual times? Right. Listen, evil people like Athaliah or Ahaziah, they will begin their work, but God can always raise up a Jehoshaphat or a Jehoiada. He wants to raise you up, right? God can raise up any little-known uh, person, right, um, uh, for his plans, right? God is looking to glorify himself. Even amidst these unusual times that we're living in right now, God has a plan, right? And, and he wants you to be part of that plan, okay? Um, what is it, right, that, that we could do for him during these unusual times? Maybe it's, it's, um, again, just as people are concerned, right, as, as they look at how one little virus can change an entire world in a matter of days, right? How sin is no little thing either, is it? Right? That we can use this as an opportunity to talk to people about the, the ramifications, right? Uh, the, how lethal sin is. Right? That it was through one man's sin that the death entered into the world. Right? 
they, they can start to see that now as just one little, one little virus can impact an entire world in which we live in, right? It's the same with sin. And we have an opportunity to tell people that God, right, uh, provided a way for us to be saved from our sin, right? There's so many people talking about a cure uh, for this virus. There's so many people talking about uh, things that you can do, t- all right? Um, we, we have uh, the good news of Jesus Christ that we can share with this world today. But not only that, right, what else could you do, right? And this is a great opportunity for you to be able to, even from your home, right, write encouraging letters to people or emails or text someone, right? Pick up their phone and call someone, someone you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe you've never had kind of that relationship where you can talk to each other on the phone. You've gone to church together for years and you've never talked on the phone, right? This would be a great opportunity. There are people who are isolated, people who are emotionally, you know, um, lonely, Right? This is a great opportunity for the church to reach out to these people. And I'm sure there's lots of other ways you can think of um, perhaps even providing for people's needs. Right? Maybe people can't get out right now to buy groceries or uh, things like that. As the Lord lays on your heart, just know that, listen, God is in the business of using little-known women, little-known men, right, to um, fulfill his plan, right? Each and every one of you has an important place in God's plan of the ages. And so, uh, in summary, okay, never underestimate the influence of a mother. Okay? Um, two, don't be deceived by the illusion that sin is but a trivial matter. Right? Uh, that it's not all that bad. That it's normal. Right? Know this, that sin is an open defiance to the will of God. Three, remember that God is faithful and that he keeps his promises, even during unusual times uh, in our lives. And then lastly, even though these are unusual living in, God has a plan. And he wants to use you to impact the world in which you live in. And may God bless you as you uh, continue to seek him and... Uh, and uh, allow that, that peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Um, have a blessed day.